We are asking for the consent to orally impact our listeners. Not orally. Aural. Ah. <laughs> but also... I can't begin to tell you how much I hate that. <laughs> I I love to orally impact my listeners. Kevin! Kevin! What? A-U-R-A-L-L-Y. That is not how you say orally. that word. Orally. Orally Everyone line like, up in an orally fashion. If you say, oh my god. If you say, if you say orally, it just sounds like you're from the Bronx. When you need your sheets <laughs> changed, you call an orally. An orderly? Yeah, an orally. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what's happening anymore. I've lost... I've lost track of literally everything. I'm just trying to... I've lost all control of this podcast. Welcome back to the cocktail hour, gent. What are we drinking, folks? I'm having a delicious Moscow mule out of a copper mug. As, would be proud. As you should. As <laughs> I'm drinking a ginger rum old-fashioned from a mug that has the orb of the world on it. Ooh, oh, Christopher Columbus over here. Hold on. <laughs> Fuck off with that shit. <laughs> Ferdinand Magellan over here. Leif Erikson. Let's go with that. Ew. Well, actually, I'm okay with Leif. I got. I don't know enough about the man personally. Yeah, honestly, never met him. Uh, Viking, SpongeBob. That's all I got for you. In today's day and age, in today's day and age, not knowing anything about a guy that lived 800 years ago is a good thing. That's that true, means that they didn't thing. do shit. <laughs> I just default to bad. I just like if you're in the past, I just assume you were bad. Prove me wrong. Guilty until proven innocent. People from the past. <laughs> As my ancestor, my my future progeny, my descendants will do to me as well. They should. They should assume I'm bad by their standards. Dude, this and guy it's up to sucked. Me to disappoint them even further. <laughs> Pop Pop Lanigan was a piece of shit. Pop Pop <laughs> Lanigan. Pop Pop Lanigan. Pop Pop. I am asking all of our listeners to embrace for the inevitable time when future generations look back on you like you were scum. As well they should. That means things are improving. I'm also so. pointing out that there's no universe that exists in which Kev becomes a grandfather and does not demand that he be called Pop-Pop. Pop-Pop is good. I was, I've actually, I have my heart set on Peepaw. Uh, I think right, Peepaw is, uh, uh, is where we're going Pop-Pop. <laughs> Y'all can take it. I'm good. I may have this is too much. I don't know why I did this. What, Jace, what did you make? Some cinnamon simple and some, uh, some some orange bitters, a little bit of Maker's Mark, and then just kind of. That sounds okay. That sounds toasty warm. No, it's on, nice. Uh, I mean, it's very on a winter's cold. night. Um, well, sure. I'm, the it, the but the flavors warm are warm. The yes, drink it'll warm is cold. Um, <laughs> Put some color quick. in your cheeks. I'm trying to think <laughs> if it needs anything. It's not bad. It's actually pretty good. I haven't Let had a interject drink. for a second. Y'all know your partner when you cut a giant piece of a dessert that your mother-in-law left over. And start eating it, and your wife walks by and goes, "Holy shit! 
and you, you can respond very quickly and say, you're going to eat the rest of it. And then she goes, shut up, walks away. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. That's so cute. Yeah. So you guys cute. are so married. You're so married. My goodness. Super married. So, yeah. Super. Y'all got two children. Two kids. Two kids. <laughs> The words from Charlie Coons, the kid's so nice, he did it twice, which is not <laughs> how that works. But I loved it. it was, but I loved it. Charlie, Charlie went above and beyond, and I, I appreciate that. Best fucking, I won't say how much money, but best best that dollar amount I've ever spent. Best more than you should. I mean, his rates are available. Someone could look it up if they, if they it's want. It's not like I, classified I information, not. but he's just following yeah. proper like politeness protocol at this point. I will allow it to remain in the mystery. Yeah, I am not a particularly like polite man. I don't follow like <laughs> cotillion uh, uh, manner sets, but it is inappropriate to say I spent this amount of money on you. Like it is inappropriate to say that. I, I don't think. know why I thought it was about to turn into one of those moments. Like, look, I hate cops. <laughs> You're like, look, uh, I'm rude. I'm not a very polite man. <laughs> and pause. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here. When you said that, my reaction was, "Look, I'm not a man." <laughs> Look, I've been listen. I've been watching a lot of Jane Austen adaptations, and I'm I'm feeling like it's time to become a mannered gentleman. Jesus. I'm thinking oh my gloves. God. I'm thinking I'm gonna get a drawing room, and I'm just gonna sit in it a lot. A drawing? Are you in I'm gonna a drawing, drawing room? room? This is an great. important question. This is an important question. Are you going? Yes. Hugh Grant. Sam Claflin, Colin Firth, or... Matthew McFadden? Yeah, Matt McFadden. What do you go? Okay, great. What, it's Matthew McFadden. What? what uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Because if, like, if, I'm, if I'm putting adaptations of, of uh, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice next to each other, Right, and I can be the like. Could I? I could be the super hot Asian guy from uh, the Lizzie Bennet Diaries on YouTube, and that sounds okay. But really, like my life is lived in front of that webcam. Whereas, uh, you know, if you're Colin Firth, Mister Darcy, you have like pleasant walks down country roads. If I'm Matthew McFadden, Mister Darcy, I get to at dawn stride through a dewy meadow to meet my beloved played by kira knightley and just sweep her up as the music swells and given the choice between all of those i would be matthew mcfaden so i've deeply felt opinions about pride no no not at all i feel very prejudiced about this whole situation i'm from pride in it why don't you you're familiar with two sins how about a third uh, such a good scene. Such a good scene. You're not allowed to smoke in here. Why'd you put on that shirt? It's like, damn. You should have worn damn. a different outfit. Um, oh, and we missed it like last week when when that was reprised. When Abed just sits there and goes cigarettes, and it just like sets Annie's whole world on fire. <laughs> the humidity in the room increased. <laughs> yeah, the temperature done gone up. You know what I mean. <laughs> Much in the way one would imagine, would imagine a John Mayer concert's temperature rises. Better bring a fucking dehumidifier. <laughs> Can you imagine I'm if sorry. that was an actual, like, an actual venue fee? That's like, yes, sure. You have your 
you have your uh, what is it called when you have like a list of shit? You have your not reader yeah, on your on your like writer. Yeah, you have writer, the, you have yeah, your list you have of your rock writer, star demands. Have, yeah. yeah, you have your writer, but we here at the Scott Trade Center demand that if you are going to play, must bring your own dehumidifiers because we know what your concerts attract. Yeah, I don't know if this uh, conversation is gross or inappropriate, but. <laughs> It, it may be grossly but I honestly don't know what's going on. I'm I'm, I'm oh good. I'm That's literally best, just like listening and trying. Like I'm keeping a straight face because I don't want you to think that I'm like not hip to what's going on. But I genuinely uh-huh. have no idea what you're saying. Yeah, I know about humidity. I'm like, hold on, who's doing what? Why do I need a humidifier? And if you want to know, no. Jace, remind me, and I'll, I'll text you the awful <laughs> okay. thing Kevin and I were just kind of debating. <laughs> okay, well, uh. Do I want to know? Is my first question. Oh, it's not that. It's not, it's not absurd or obscene. It's not it's absurd just... or obscene or even gross. But it is like, is it my? Is it my place? Is <laughs> yeah. it? Is it for me? I want you to um, know that I'm just further more confused at this point. <laughs> okay, I'm just it's gonna. Fine. Okay, it's fine. Let's you know, just move on. No, Everybody no I'm gonna. I'm gonna lay it. I'm gonna lay it out there, Jace. You can you can be the deciding factor if if Caleb and I are okay. disgusting. Okay. Right. You mean the you are? But... Joke was is that if you were doing a concert for a particular act, uh, John Mayer was mentioned, but you know One Direction, BTS, is that if you're there performing in that venue, that you might want to bring a dehumidifier because the room is going to get damp. <laughs> I love that you wanted to say something else. <laughs> Changed it to damp. Anyway, yeah. I, made I genuinely sleep. don't know how to respond to this. I mean, it's an increase in atmospheric humidity. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, fellas. The barometric <laughs> pressure. <laughs> <laughs> the storm front's coming in. All right, look this at my map wrong. behind me. Look at the map. <laughs> okay. Okay, and you can see the cold front is moving in. From Britta's head, and it's moving towards Jeff's head uh, on my on my virtual green screen background here. Um, and as that cold progresses from west to east, you will see goose flesh and pointed nipples on Jeff. Sorry. <laughs> oh, on Jeff. Okay. Wow. Good. Then we're I was go using there. I was using your green screen as a reference. Yeah, you were so using my green screen you. here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Why um, do you think they went for a Harley Quinn-like look for Britta in this moment? Because I guarantee you she suggested it. <laughs> yeah. That could be possible because I, okay, so let's just address also, wait, the full two context, goth elephants For those listening and don't know what we're referring to, Kevin has set as his background a picture of Jeff and Britta as uh, the pretending to be the magicians for Chang's birthday party. Oh, is it like Ricky Nightshade yeah. and then Britta's characters never mentioned? Never yeah. um, mentioned, yeah. The uh, magician's assistant. Um, yeah. And it's and they are both uh, goth as hell and, and just... It, it's Chris and, Angel and, and Harley uh, Quinn. It's Chris yeah, Angel it's Chris Angel and Harley Quinn. It's Chris Angel and Harley Quinn. I would like to speak for the podcast when I say these are good looks for oh. the both of them. These are looks for both of them. Good looks. My, I was watching First Shang Dynasty with my girlfriend, and even she remarked, "Like Jeff should wear that more often. <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff should look like this more often." Uh, and I would be hard pressed to disagree. Just, I just um, look the preppy. The preppy look doesn't do it for me. You know, I just it reads douchey and like. I mean, to be fair, that is part of his character. But like, give me a good, good goth. <laughs> 
<laughs> some eyeliner, you know what yeah. I mean? Give me, Open chest, give me, give me some metal, give me some chains. I'm like, in the here In for some it. alternate universe where Joel McHale is the star of, like, The Crow 4. You know what I mean? Like, long after uh, The Crow franchise has, has languished on direct-to-video. In that universe, I think it's a good look for him. But you're right, is that, like, Gillian Jacobs looks like... I mean, what she really looks like is the current DC character Punchline, who is essentially goth Harley Quinn. It would be remarkable casting. Uh, it, it looks like I think they like powdered her whole body. They made her look even. Yeah. They made her look even paler. And I mean, like the black hair doesn't hurt, and the black lip doesn't hurt. But she's. I mean, she's white. No, they've she's they've whited her up. Yeah. yeah no, absolutely. Paper white in this. Cornelia Which I mean is a significantly a better move. <laughs> it's a significantly better move than the literal brown face they put Pierce in. Like, this episode is actually, in my opinion, far more offensive than Dungeons and Dragons. I mean, I, it's just my take as a white person, but like. Wait, why? As the Swami? Oh. Where he literally okay. does brown face and okay. does an Asian stereotype, uh, an Indian Asian stereotype. It's, I it's, forgot Swami was in this. Yeah, it's yeah, bad. In this it's one. bad. I, walk I don't know if it makes any kind of difference to the fact that this episode is directed by Jay Chandrasekhar. Maybe. Is, is himself Maybe. an Indian man, you know, from Broken Lizard. Uh, he will go on to play Gupta Gupti Gupta in the season six episode. Um, I don't know where that factors into, because also one... Indian man's opinion does not... It's not a monolith, right. right? So, like, people are allowed to be offended or not offended. And that that spectrum is is acceptable. I don't know if that makes a difference. Yeah, who's to say? <laughs> it's Who just, can say? It is I, just, not in me. my opinion, it's easily the... the. I mean, aside from the, the T-slur usage in season one finale, this is, like, the most, like... Yeah. Up there, is that the baby? Oh no! Baby cry. Oh, no, it's to it's totally okay. Yeah, he's getting he's getting his diaper changed, and he's still got a healing penis. So every time you move, oh, he's he very angry. Yeah, yeah, you had him circumcised. Oh, this conversation's uh, very detailed. Hey, everybody, yeah. my son. But no, um, <laughs> so diaper changes diaper changes with a newborn girl are no big deal because like. You don't do anything to them that makes diaper changes more or less enjoyable. But for young boys, if you choose to do what we did, then like first 10 days, you have to be like very careful and put lots of Vaseline in the front of the diaper so that like, well, just we can, what else do you guys want? No, I, nah, I get you. No, nah, no, nah, this is, this is interesting. <laughs> I've never cared for a newborn that has been circumcised. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is all very interesting. It's wild. Yeah, what it's a wild illusion, you know? What a, what a wild world we live. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. We are concluding season alive. three, and just Daddy Host with a with a newborn baby, just giving Double up the daddy. rundown. How's it work? You know, wow. Dropping wow. knowledge bombs. It's my job now. I'm a dad. It's my job. If you don't know something, I must inform. So how I, I wonder. Back to our conversation before we were talking about clipped penises. Um, I wonder Jeez. if the onus of whether or not something is seen as offensive writ large is more on the shoulders of like that community saying so and maybe not even that community because of course like, right. our community is going to be biased but like if we are seven years removed five years removed from this episode and like eight full eight 
Okay, yeah. We're eight years removed from this episode and from D&D, furthermore. Uh, and we don't have, like, a large outcry or reaction to a scene. Then, like, is Netflix pulling that down, them being more racist for assuming that this was so racist everyone would be offended? But, you know what I mean? I mean, like, it's... I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I see I'm what you're saying. Message, Jason, that, you've, that you've put your foot in that. No, no, I know exactly things. what you're saying. You bring up a really important point, and that's like, you know, it's more so a comment on how Netflix is, is responding to people versus actually taking a morality stance themselves, right? Um, and Indeed. and I, the, I think the idea is, I mean, especially, for, first of all, I don't necessarily think one community might be more vocal than another. I think that there's just different dynamics and there's different lenses being shared. And um, when you look at the relationship with, like, black folks in America, you know, and the, the development of that civil rights movement, if you will, it's a bit more specific and noticed. I don't want to say it's more prevalent because... I don't necessarily think that's true. I think it's just one that's been documented in more detail. So it's like, and it is, yeah, it is. Who is to say what's offensive to a group of people that I'm not a part of or none of us are a part of? But it's one of those things where it's like, I yeah. don't think that just because we haven't heard anything, it doesn't mean that it does that that discourse doesn't exist. I think that it just means that whatever circles we exist within uh, don't right. come into that area, yeah. you know, because we That's we one... even more the questions have been asked to know what the response is. We literally haven't even asked the question of someone, you know. And it's sure. also and my our question, to go up them and like, hey, tell me how you feel about this. It's just like ah. See, my statement wasn't even directly in reference to like y you calling it out and not being oh, a yeah, member of a specific race, but more like not so much whether or not like you or Kev have any place to say anything about something be offensive being offensive to black people because I think that that's you can do that some of some things that are offensive are obvious enough that you're like hey, that's wrong um, but more like more like should the offensiveness of something be judged on the population's reaction to it rather than like an exec's reaction to you know what i mean like I if one person saw that and was like that's offensive but like right two million people have watched it and no one's been like we should take that out i don't know my take on it um understanding like through the community that i exist within as like a trans person sure. is the it as far as when does something you know something is offensive right first of all you know being offensive is one thing um potentially inciting violence or invigorating I'm trying to think, like, the idea is, like, if these kind of things uh, in any sort of way increase the potential for violence, whatever that may be, on a community, that's when it's a we have a responsibility to respond to these things, right? That's why when a trans person makes a joke about being trans, it's funny because it's you can, you can make jokes about being trans. I do it all the time. The problem is most of the time cis people don't understand what's funny about being trans, and they default to something that is offensive – Fundamentally, because when heard by someone that does not understand the trans experience or is not within that community that might have a skewed perspective, it can turn into a violent – it can be it – can, oh, yeah, it sure. can get violence, you know? So I, I don't necessarily know – you know, I don't have a firm grasp on what the relationship between, you know, media representation and violence is for – in general, th these kind of representations are kind of – clumped together specifically in the united states like the middle east and india and parts of asia very much it's ubiquitized wrongfully 
in the mindset of a lot of Americans, right? It's like, oh, it's, they're all the same and all this. So I it, to speak on how specifically this kind of representation affects violence within those communities, I don't know. But I certainly don't think it helps. <laughs> you know? Well, that's... You know? yeah. <laughs> it's it's that's... certainly not, like, playful. Like, you know, like, Hassan Minaj, right, who is hysterical, right? You know, not yeah. not necessarily, you know, not to, <laughs> this feels weird that I brought him up, but the idea is, you know, he fundamentally <laughs> has a lens on his, on his identity and the way as like some, like a Muslim American, right? What that means, what that impact is, what the relationship with violence is. If you haven't watched Homecoming King, watch it now. It's freaking unbelievable. Um, listeners, I'm talking to y'all. Also um, watch uh, Patriot Act. It was very good. Yeah, oh my God. Patriot Act is incredible. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, like fundamentally, that's the difference is it's a way to comment on what that relationship with violence is. And this is just I watch this and I have flashbacks to hearing like classmates in middle school make fun of someone in our class. Like that's what this reminds me of. And that's why I go, oh, why are we just letting Pierce do brown face? Why are we letting Chevy Chase do brown face? Let's not. You know what I mean? Because. Right. And. He, and. and- literally darken his skin yeah no they absolutely darken his skin he's doing an unbelievably stereotypical like what he's doing is essentially a 70s snl character like as much as people like right. laud that original season like so many of the characters from old snl is john belushi is playing a samurai who works at a diner and that's it he just does samurai stuff at a diner like it is just like offensive cultural stereotypes And I would be very curious, I don't know how much it changes anything, I'd be very curious to know who brought this idea forward. Was it a big, like, writer's room pitch? Was it a Chevy pitch? Like, what, what was the, what was the impetus here? What was the, the idea behind it? But also, you shouldn't have to know a bunch of behind-the-scenes information to watch a piece of media, right? The piece of media, no matter what you know about behind-the-scenes, it has to speak for itself. And... I think that can be informed by other information, but yeah, I agree. It needs to be able to do its I would just be generally curious. I don't know whether or not it changes it, whether or not it changes it that an Indian man directed this episode. Uh, Any number of of questions you It's like, I think of... The the immediate thing I'm thinking of is uh, the episode of The Office... The stereotypes episode, which I'm pretty sure was written by Mindy. That might very well be. I'm true. pretty sure Mindy wrote that episode, and it's like deeply uncomfortably racist. Like, I mean, you know, we talked about it last week, and how like just that that is the Office episode more than any other. That just like rips like, like dude, guts out. I yeah. hate it so bad. Right, and then so, but the thing is, like, here's here's the thing. Watching this, if we fundamentally understand that Mindy wrote this bit to be done to her on screen. Does that does that change in any way how fucked up it is? You know what I mean? Like it's, and who's to say? Yeah, you know, it's right. I and think there's are, a big difference are... between like playing something as being fucked up or playing it as a joke and it being a fucked up joke, as well. We talked about this last week as well. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. lot like American History X, not to compare the two directly, but indirectly. Um, like that's not doing a thing to be like, ha ha, look at that. It's doing a thing to be like, look how fucked up this thing is. I think that like knowing right. that knowing that um, Mindy Kaling wrote that episode is like more information that's helpful. But I think that like most base viewings of that episode would be like, ugh, that's not. And then he gets the shit slapped out of him, and the whole room goes quiet. And it's like, yep, 
None of this is funny. Um, right. So there's like, no right. way to interpret that in, scene I, as Michael Scott being in the right. Like, there's no right, way to yeah, watch that yeah. scene. And, and the way it's shot, the performance is like, edited. Yeah. yeah, I think for yeah. me, the, the gray area comes in with that in the idea of... And it, of course, also plays into a conversation we had about, you know, what makes art art? What makes a comedy a comedy? Does, it, does a comedy have to be entirely comedic? But the idea that when you do these things, even when it's presented in the lens where it's like, hey, this is clearly wrong, is it subtly implying that we know it's wrong, but it's laughable? You know what I mean? Like, does implying sure. that it's laughable mm-hmm. kind of minimize the aspect? And that's, a, that's for me, the big gray area, because it's like, I, where I is that? It, that's, I would say that that's no more enforceable than saying that a movie with violence tells you to go do oh, it. Oh, I, I think enforceability is bullshit, right? I think enforceability does nothing. Okay, to, well, yeah. Maybe but I, but I get what you're worse, saying, because like, that enforceability yeah. completely draws on the idea of finding a boundary, right? The, yeah. when, when addressing if it's enforceable, it forces you to find where is the line. And with a lot of this, there is no clear line. You know, it's a gradient and it's really, it comes to audience, it comes to impact, it comes to creator. There's so many factors in it. And it's, it's also like, look, the way we view it today is going to be different than the way we viewed it when it came out. It's going to be different than the way we view it in 10 years. It's going to be viewed than the way we view it in 20 years. This is stuff that's constantly changing. What's important is that we're open to these conversations, you know, and being like, Mm -hmm. and checking in with ourselves. I mean, the name of the game is accountability for always and forever. That's the one thing that's not going to change throughout time is accountability. Are we remaining accountable of our actions? Are we remaining accountable of the impact regardless of our intent? Are we remaining accountable to those who have control over these industries? And are we remaining accountable to ourselves? And it's the, that's the only thing we have control over because like you said, Caleb, it's, it's, where's the line you can't you can't you can't find the line because the line's moving right it's it's the line doesn't it's, exist it's not exactly the same as our conversation about what is art but the answer is that there's no hard and fast answer as much as we would like there to be one as much as right. people want there to be a tape line drawn down the middle is like okay offensive is over here not a not offensive is over here and that's just not the same to to go back to the dungeons and dragons episode which like again that episode has been yanked from netflix and hulu it is up on amazon prime it was up on facebook for a little while but that episode is gone when uh, caleb who is a black man said that is not blackface but over on uh welcome to greendale another great podcast they the 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 black host on that show came to the conclusion that yes this is blackface and there are margins of disagreement here i mean um communities experiences are not ubiquitous there is no one exactly experience. there exactly. is no one trans experience you know and i think that fundamentally falls into this idea for me which i hate as a non-binary person the idea of false binaries you know it, it, and even fundamentally is this offensive is forcing a question of what ver, you know instead of talking about to the, who <laughs> right well it eliminates extent of of offense uh impact of offense you know what is it you know what is it presenting what is it potentially invoking um and completely minimizes this massive complex discussion into a yes or no question it forces it into a false binary right and with so much that we're constantly trying to find we just want to find simple answers you know what i mean it's simple answers make it easy to sleep at night you know yes no 
No. Yes. It's so much easier to deal with something when we can say, I don't like this. I do like this. This is good. This is bad. And it's really difficult for us to go, it's not that simple. We don't want to accept it's not that simple. And I think um, because, it, because it takes more work. Um, but accountability is work. And um, I'm happy to have these conversations with y'all. Absolutely. And this is, of course, Advanced Community Studies, a podcast where we watch uh, the American television show community one or two episodes at a time. We are the premier podcast of the Yahoo Screen Podcast uh, I'm not gonna Network. Do it. Uh, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> feels wrong right now uh, yeah i understand it's uh, i don't feel a yahoo in my soul yeah i'm sure God. it's gonna come before this even comes on because you do it in the beginning of every podcast but it just doesn't feel right right now no that's okay yeah it starts at the beginning of every show so they've heard the yahoo in its classic glory and and they it's don't okay need me doing you... a cheap imitation like some scoundrel you're not a performing monkey and that's okay <laughs> No. Uh, and uh, I am, of course, uh, one of your hosts, TV's Kevin Lanigan, and I am the truest repairman! <laughs> oh, it's so good. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Jace. I use they them pronouns, and I just I just want to let you know that um, I hate when they do this in movies. <laughs> I, I hate when they do this in movies. So, sorry, uh, sorry for getting emotional, but yeah. Um, I'm, real, I'm real stoked about these episodes. These are, these are some really fascinating episodes. They're probably like some of the least funny episodes but they're also some of the most intriguing episodes of this season and uh, i'm stoked mm. that's interesting that you say that's that. my take that's my take i'm spicy this week chang dynasty is uh very very funny um except for the like fucking lame ass star wars joke but we can we can uh, talk about that later um but <laughs> <laughs> one of our hosts has not yet introduced themselves no you're fine I'm the daddy host recently. Daddy number two. Oh, so a little daddy bean. times two. Daddy, daddy square. <laughs> to the power of two. And uh, daddy returns. I, I eat the sun and drink the sky. And they both go with me when I die. So. Damn. <laughs> Damn. 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 <laughs> uh, Damn. What's that uh, yeah, one fucking... that um, uh, Troy says like, uh, uh, Chang, you're a sick man. You still play keytar? Yeah, what is I it? Got him. What yeah, is no, that's it. It's a, he calls him a sick man. Is that what it was? Funny it's line. Delusional or something like that. Yeah. Love it's, a good it's... set of misdirection. I think that's good stuff. Way to go. And good Donald job. Glover is so beautifully suited to delivering uh, lines like that. Even that one that I'm like, yeah, okay. Like, that's not that's not an excellent line, but it's Donald. And Donald <gasps> They have a photo booth with props! Ah, <laughs> uh, Donald, you're a beautiful soul. I, um, <laughs> I love him. Let's, let's dive right into it. We've already talked a lot about the first episode, but I say we, we make headway right down the middle. Uh, season 3, episode 21. The First Chang Dynasty, directed by J. Chandrasekhar, uh, written by Matt Fussfield and Alex Cuthbertson. Uh, this was the second of three episodes that aired on May 17th, 2012, uh, where, of course, it went community, one episode of 30 Rock, community, community. Uh, and they were in this like, episode, just finish this fucking season, get this goddamn show off the air. <laughs> get this show off my network! Uh, get Dan Harmon out of my studio, get the show off my network, 
Uh, because in case you couldn't tell from like the way that the finale, the next episode we're going to talk about is edited, they didn't know if they were ever going to make another episode of Community. Dude, that like was that only a finale episode they made. They made a finale yeah, they made... episode. They made that one like, well, this might be the very last episode of Community that we ever do. Um, <laughs> of the times where we thought maybe this is the last ever episode of Community, uh, which is all the finales of seasons three, four, five, and six, this is the second best one? Six is the best one. The finale of the show is phenomenal. Uh, the finale of season four is very bad, and the finale of season five is fine. But we're not talking about this one. It's time for a heist. <laughs> uh, knowing that Chang is holding the Dean hostage, the study, the Greendale Seven, band together for an Ocean's Eleven style heist uh, to get him out. Along the way, Jeff and Britta dress as goths. Uh, Pierce dresses as a swami. Uh, Shirley dresses as a chef. Uh, Troy and Abed dress as plumbers. Uh, oop, baboop. What an episode. Oof, Oof, baboof. You got plumber's acid on you. (laughs) You got plumber's acid all over you. They're coming back with a lotion. What do we, Jace, you don't think this is a particularly funny episode. I don't think it's unfunny. (laughs) Explain. I just, for me, I'm thinking back to, like, what was it? Like, I mean, we're coming off of just some of the, like, most laughs per minute episodes, I think, in in recent memory. Your mindset. So at this point in the show, your mindset's like, make community great again. <laughs> Where would you even get that idea from? I fundamentally yeah. don't think that like community as a comedy better. is always like guffaw comedy. Like, sure. I look back at I was at, um, joking, by the way. I was completely I know, joking. But I resent <laughs> that you associated that with me even a little bit. <laughs> I just like, <laughs> like I look back, right? And we my go to, uh, uh, lupine urology, right? You know the Dick Wolf, the 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 SVU Law and Order, yeah, right. Yeah. The, the Law and Order episode, which is an incredible episode, but it's not laugh out loud, a, a chuckle a minute kind of episode. You know what I mean? Like there are episodes that are funnier, in my humble opinion. And in these episodes, this is them being like, look, we're going to effectively – It's I've spent my time watching this episode upon my most recent rewatch going, this is just impressive. Like this is an exciting, cool, innovative episode. And I didn't find myself being like (laughs) – I didn't find myself – I mean? Yeah. There are fun moments. For context, how, how often do you find yourself watching heist movies? Or how big a fan of heist movies are you? I like them. I don't watch them super often, I guess, now that I think about it. It's not like it's not like mm. a genre that I avoid, but it's not necessarily you know what I mean? It's I I forget yeah. to think of it. No, the reason I the reason I ask that is I think I and I don't want to speak for Karen because I don't know. But I think I fuck with this episode more because heist movies are like my every year I have like two or three months where heist cinema or is my du jour. It's just what I go for. I mean, look, I, I love a heist movies. movie. I'll watch Logan Lucky again. I'll, like, heist shit is my shit. I love it. And I've so, never like, watched a heist movie that like, I haven't enjoyed a little. And this definitely sure. gets... That's the thing. This episode is exciting and executed incredibly well. I just... I don't think it's a bad episode. Do not get me wrong. I think this is an, an absolutely fantastic episode. I wouldn't consider it one of the funniest episodes, but that is literally only one of the descriptors that I would use to describe this show. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The, if you want pound for pound, second for second, 
if you're looking for just like funny bam 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 like season one of community is the most consistently funny but they're also not doing elaborate heist episodes like the chicken figures episode is incredible it's not a laugh a minute it's not a laugh a minute yeah exactly i understand what you're getting at here um to to state my own heist criteria because we're doing that i guess um i uh i'll you know for my birthday this year i rented a car and i went to a drive-in and i saw oceans 11 if that gives you any idea of how much i like heist movies i will say that i think heist is probably the most consistent genre that we have like the odds when you are if you were sit down to watch a heist movie the odds are it's probably going to be pretty entertaining you know, more so than if you watch a any comedy, any western, any what have you. Even I any think mystery that, like, at that point. That's probably fundamentally like first mystery is, you know, hard, right? Mystery is hard to come by because it's there's always something kind of similar about the mystery, right? There's there's a detective yeah. putting together a case. With a heist movie, I feel like fundamentally in order for a heist movie to get greenlit, whoever's reading it has to go I've literally never seen or heard anything like this so heist movies fundamentally need to have a novel element to them in order for them to be made you know what i mean like they need to be something new to it and that is exciting to see it's like Like this is (laughs) the tower heist brett ratner is a master at making movies but But even like tower heist is like one of the better brett ratner movies like it's you know (laughs) reusing that scale like it's like it's not it's no rush hour two this is a weird this is a weird uh (laughs) relation that i'm gonna make so stick with me here for those of y'all who are weebs um attack on titan Okay, I thought for sure, I thought for sure you would say Lupin the Third, the heist anime, but no, you didn't go that direction. I mean, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, maybe, the one about a thief, no, not that one. All right. (laughs) Sorry, sorry, keep going. (laughs) Not not Attack on Titan, let's scratch that. Let's address, um... No, go with you, go with your original. No, go with your thing. Death Note. Okay, let's address Death Note. Okay, Death Note. Fundamentally, when I watched Death Note the first time, right? I remember every single time coming to the end of an episode going, how the fuck is there going to be another episode, right? That, like you, yes, 100%. <laughs> literally, like, what in the world are going to... I could even say the same thing about, um, honestly, like, each time they came to some sort of a close on The Good Place. I'd be like, Jesus Christ, how are they ever going to make another episode of Oh, this that show is the king of that. That show is the undisputed champion of, wait, what do you mean there's another season? I thought we kind yeah, of like, figured this whole thing out. everything. There's another season of this? Right. So, and then they're all good. So, fuck it. Fundamentally, for me, that is the entire goal of a heist movie, right? To make you go... Mm. What, what, how are they going to do this different? I mean, okay, end game, right? A time heist. Time heist, yeah. correct, yes. How many other uh, time heists are there? You know, I mean, like... Time heist, you could almost say Back to the Future 2 is a time heist. You know, it depends on your on your definition of heist, yeah. but it's like, we need to break into this place and get this thing in time. Um, so that's a good one. Yeah. Um, even, one okay. of my favorite, uh, video games of all time is an anime game called Persona 5. Uh, and every like mission in that game, you're basically breaking into the deep, dark hearts of the worst people in the world, politicians, gangsters, 
abusive volleyball coaches, and each one is a different heist, and you're trying to steal their heart and claim their evilness. Uh, Persona 5 Royal, it is on the PlayStation 4 um, for whenever you get that. Uh, dope trying, ass game. I'm trying. I'll loan it's it so to you. hard to find one right now. My goodness. I know. When you get a when you get a PS4, I'll loan you this game. It's a great game. Uh, but it's you break into like a casino. You break into a castle. You break into uh, a bank. Like it's just this unbelievably good game. Heists are good. Thieves are good. There, it's the the first narrative film is the Great Train Robbery, a heist movie. <laughs> it's the first movie we made. I mean, like, even if you like, let's let's talk about the oceans and movies. I haven't seen them, but I'm going to ask you this because I have an idea about what what you're going to say. They're all good. Watch any of them, but keep I, going. Right, but fun. <laughs> they so fundamentally they follow the same premise, right? Group of folks. I'm pretty this sure this group of people plus one <laughs> need to break into this place. Right. They are literally a franchise. Would you describe? Yeah. The plots of any of these movies to be, I mean, remove the aspect of a group of people need to break into this place to get something, right? Uh-huh. Would you describe the execution of that plot to be similar between those movies? I mean, <gasps> what, 11 and 13 de- are similar. They are not the same, yeah. but they are both breaking into Vegas casinos, and there are a certain number of oh, similarities okay, but even, that even are inherent. The but the execution is very breaking different. Into how that heist is executed right. is it the same way it's it is it is different and everyone plays different roles you know in 11 they have basically an emp and in 13 they have a giant drill so it's very different <laughs> it's very different no, right what i'm getting at here is that fundamentally when it comes to these kinds of movies right the yeah. idea is that in order like i said in order for it to be green light greenlit there has to be something fundamentally different about how the heist is executed and i think that's fundamentally why i don't know maybe maybe i'm wrong name a bad heist movie i can't uh because all right let's let's look at it inside (laughs) man tower heist (laughs) tower heist well okay but like tower heist again one of the better brett ratner movies again if we're grading on a curve um inside man is incredible uh great movie uh all the oceans movies are good all of them Logan Lucky Lucky is incredible. Logan Lucky is incredible. Logan Lucky is so fucking good. Although Soderbergh Um, Soderbergh has a talent for specifically doing heist movies. Yeah, Soderbergh is the fucking king of heist movies. This episode is so, so indebted to Soderbergh's style. Like, the way they're describing the plan and you're seeing the plan. I know Soderbergh probably didn't invent that, but, like, Ocean's Eleven is what made this popular. Yeah, just like like Guy Ritchie Uh, did like the idea is fundamentally yeah. it's it's hard fun with dick and jane with jim carrey and, and that's Tia a, oh my god that is uh, a heist movie you're right that's a heist movie and on the dvd commentary judd apatow is talking about like yeah the hardest part of making this movie was we had to come up with an original heist which is so hard to do it's all been done um but yeah that's fucking incredible heists are good i just watched coincidentally the heist episode of rick and morty for the first time over the first uh, time that is just heist blown out its ass like it's unreal what they do with that episode you son of a bitch i'm (laughs) in oh uh an incredible episode anyone with like it somehow satirizes and every single trope in it while fundamentally executing a really cool kind of heist episode it's like 
it's so meta it hurts you know what i mean but yeah. that's just like yeah and and heists heists have all the best elements of movies okay you're getting a team together teams are always good i don't care what movie it is teams are good you you have to do a cool plot in a cool location great movies are made for that uh you have to have a <laughs> bunch of colorful characters excellent you get to have snappy dialogue awesome you get to watch process process is so good of like how do the people do what they do oh heist heist movies <laughs> i remember watching oceans 11 for the first time and getting to the end of it and my brain just dumping out of my ears and being like I'm, oh y'all are making God. me really excited to get into these movies i've literally not seen a single oceans movie i think they're all on netflix and they're all good i mean and i'm like, excited to get into this i might do as this. a as a special bonus, also, if you're someone who's attracted to men, the Oceans movies are a <laughs> buffet. And there's one of every... His... George Clooney. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a smart And, like, sport. depending on, you know, like, uh, if, you're, if you're a little bit older, you got Elliot Gould. Uh, you got fucking Bernie Mac. Like, oh, in Oceans, so... in Oceans 13, you get Vincent Cassell? Vincent Cassell. And 12. Vincent Cassell? So anyway, uh, everyone, everyone enjoy. You get some prime fucking two thousands Brad Pitt. That's just cool. oh, it's like Man. it's like Fight Club Brad Pitt, but less trashy. It's incredible. <laughs> Goddamn. I'm so, sorry, y'all. I just uh, I was suddenly on a desert island with Brad Pitt just like, for a second. <laughs> I was miles away. Um, and anyway, we started talking about heist, which is the only thing that stopped me from talking about goth, goth Jeff and goth Britta for 30 solid minutes. Could write a fucking dissertation on this. These are good looks. Nobody's going to contest that. This is Sorry. exceptionally good looks for, oh, wait. for these two characters. I'm going to cosplay, uh, goth Britta if they bring back communicon i'm I'm gonna cosplay one of these two i haven't decided i'm excited i'm excited to figure out which one it is i I would look forward to you kevin cosplaying as either or both i would actually love to see you do kind of a victor victoria look with Uh, um and britta as this that would be an impress the wig alone would be impressive let's be honest (laughs) i will do a duala dean of man but it's but it's jeff and britta in in the goth costumes cosplay as swami or you're a coward (laughs) absolutely i want if you do that i will will no longer be friends with you (laughs) understandable i wouldn't want you to i would look down on you if you were still friends with me after doing that There are certain points where I'm like, no, 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 you are correct to leave me. You are incorrect to stick with me on this one. God, (laughs) no. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. It's a very, like, lightweight episode, like, substance-wise. But you even get, like, a cool, like, dark light chase sequence, you know, which rules. Like, I don't know why they decided to do that, but it rules. It's so (laughs) cool. (laughs) It's good. I think, for me, the best part of this episode is... uh, I, I noticed something just like like the props folks did a great job with this episode as well. Like there's so, so many props in this episode. The just fucking tr- spinning wheel that they hooked Chang up to. All the firework stuff. But I'm also thinking about the fact that they, they had to make a shot where Troy is using a hammer to break through a bathroom wall <laughs> to get into so Chang's good. office. And they do a shot of him coming through the wall, right? Fundamentally, if you look, it's pretty obvious that the uh, the painting was pre like there was a perforation of some sliced sort. so it, it literally cool, comes it is a yeah. perfect square that comes out if you watch it again yeah. you'll notice it's a 
perfect square. But you do what you have to in order to make the Hollywood magic work. And the best part of this whole episode is right after that painting rips and you see Troy's face come in and he goes, I'm in. But he's got this like this <laughs> way his mouth moves. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> and then he goes, okay, before it was just my head, but now I'm actually in. It's just great. You know, and that whole like I'm in bit with Britta being like, I'm in. And Annie going, I know. She's like, everyone else got to say it. This is, why this, this is why this episode is hilarious to me because like being a huge fan of even specifically the Oceans movies, almost every beat of this episode is a reference and they they do something to take the piss out of it. They do something to make it funny. I chuckle almost throughout this entire episode. I think it's, it's like, great. Uh, I think they uh, utilize uh, Troy and Abed super effectively in this episode because of the idea that, like, I mean, their whole essence <laughs> as a duo is let's make fucking references. <laughs> you okay there, Caleb? <laughs> I did not mix that enough. <laughs> I think I just sipped bitters. Just straight whiskey. <laughs> no, I think it was just straight bitters. Ooh. I'm fine, though. That's better. They took Troy and Abed, who do referential quite well because it's been baked into their character. Excuse me, baked into their characters, and it's just really fun to watch them play these outrageous fucking plumber characters with these mustaches. Oof, boof. Like it's it's so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. They're like the brothers from um, Ocean's Eleven to me. Like, like truly yeah, each other, the twins. Each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I watched Casey this and I literally went... and um, the Scott Con. Uh, Scott Con, yeah, because it's the other Con's son. The fame. Uh, I mean, like, I would be surprised con, if con. at some point in this con. conversation they were like, "Hey, Troy and Abed, you're gonna be Mario and Luigi." If they were in real life, think about it. They put on yeah, these yeah. mustaches. They're both plumbers. They do this kind Did of ridiculous. Did you all see the Italian name tags accent. that they were wearing? What did they say? It said Rod and Barry, which is of course a Gene Roddenberry reference for Star Trek. Don't know what that has to do with heists, but wait, why is that a Gene? Ro- I don't understand why that. Why is that a? Because it's Rod and Barry. I That's know, not a coincidence. Star Trek when they're doing a heist episode and they're playing. They have to be named because something, it's I guess. Troy and Abed, of course they have <laughs> yeah. to be. Yeah, and they like Star Treks, yeah. space Treks, Star. Yeah, uh, space Treks, <laughs> ships in Absolutely. space. This is the uh, closest. <laughs> this is one of the closest community comes to out and out parody. Because normally it's like an homage, but this does feel like a parody of heist movies to a yeah. certain extent. Yeah. Um, in a like this is a the most Mel Brooks community ever gets, um, and it <laughs> oh. feels good. A loving parody, a la yeah. Mel Brooks. I do, I do love Mel Brooks. Yes. I do love Mel Brooks. Well, I love the first four movies, and then it what gets are his kinda, first four? Gets, uh, all right, you got the producers. All right, you got the Twelve Chairs, underrated gem. Uh, oh, you got Blazing, Blazing Saddles. And you got Young Frankenstein. Blaze Young, Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein come out in the same year, which is insane. <laughs> that is bananas. Yeah. Young that Frankenstein he, uh, is one of my favorite movies, maybe ever. Y'all want to know something uh, funny? I watched Blazing Saddles and didn't like it. And then, what? hold on. Okay. I didn't think I liked it because everyone was like, it's the best fucking movie of all time. Which is what sure, happened with Ghostbusters. Bad setup and for after Ghostbusters, guess yeah. what? I was like, man. But, um, well, the difference is that Ghostbusters is not a good movie, but Blazing sure. Saddles is a good movie. So after Blazing Saddles, <laughs> I was like, that was just okay. And then almost immediately, like the next morning, 
the whole day was filled with me referencing it and laughing my ass off and being like, oh shit, this movie was incredible. You know yeah. what? That, that was... key reminds me of when I first watched Rick and Morty. I remember being like, I watched Rick and Morty season one being like, I don't. I didn't. I didn't laugh once while watching it. Right? Oh, dude! Yeah. But then oh, season one is an is an assault on your senses and sensibility. It's, it's insane. Like, but like literally, I remember watching it, not laughing once, being like, "What the fuck am I watching?" And then, <laughs> and then afterward, quoting it constantly and like yep. thinking about moments. And then laughing about them, not watching them, not laughing when I watched them. The thing that got me was the, um, I don't remember if it's the first episode, like literally thinking about, uh, where he goes, he's like, shoot, them, sh- shoot them, Morty, you know, and he like, he's like, they're, they're robots or whatever. He's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, Rick, they don't look like robots. I love them. And he's like, I thought you were said they, they weren't. He's like, they're bureaucrats, Morty. I don't respect them. And it's one of those things where, like, <laughs> when I watched it, I was just like, what the fuck? And then yeah, I thought like, about it like, the I... next day, and I was like, this is genuinely one of the funniest fucking jokes I've ever it's heard. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. But in the moment, yeah, I didn't really laugh good. at all. I mean, I like, was they like, were machines, Morty, that, like, that followed their politicians. I didn't have time to get into their morals and stuff. <laughs> that was uh that was my girlfriend with walk hard the dewey cox story which is <laughs> one of the fucking funniest movies of all time um and, and she didn't like it the first time that people that this, this this upsets a lot of people especially comedy folks uh, i did not find will ferrell funny for the longest time i didn't understand why okay. everyone thought he was so funny I don't know what it was that did it for me. Is there an and then? Oh, no, there is an and then. I literally, okay, okay. No, the dude's a genius. I mean, Look, it's fine. I'm just curious. Will fucking Ferrell without being Will fucking Ferrell. Like, I... True story. I rewatched Elf on Christmas, right? Which, first of all, I don't celebrate Christmas. <laughs> it was like the first year that I ever did anything sort of Christmassy due to just people that I know, the people I'm dating and such. Um, and I had seen Elf. I had seen Elf plenty of times. Right, sure. but this was the first year I was like, I want to watch Elf, and I remember watching it and cackling, being like, "This is so fucking fun! This yeah. is so, this is such a great performance!" And it's like one of those things. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was. I don't know, mate. I don't know why I found it funny now. I don't know why I think Will Ferrell is funny now. I think it's maybe sort of an appreciation for his ability to like, just he just does shit. Like it's yeah. his ability yeah, to keep a straight face is unbelievable I, it's unparalleled it's unparalleled yeah. and i think that's his ex that's the thing that makes him shine so hard is this dude can also do anything and not break and it's just like it's one of those things where it's like at a certain point you have to be able to go okay like for me i was like but this is just ridiculous for being for the sake of being ridiculous and then it came to this point where it's like this is ridiculous and being able to understand like why that resonated like all of a sudden the ridiculousness resonated and maybe it's because the absurdism of it all started making more sense now that the world makes less fucking sense but like <laughs> i don't i don't yeah it's just one of those things sometimes it just grows this, on you i'm gonna be meta because we're talking about community so fuck you if you don't want me to um <laughs> this is probably the first time in a in i want i don't want to be bold but maybe the first time in existence that Scott Kahn has been brought up, and then it has been referenced that his dad is James Kahn, and then five minutes later on the same recorded podcast, not because Scott Kahn was brought up five minutes before, someone mentions a movie that James Kahn is actually in. <laughs> sure. 
Um, yeah, because following uh, references, can you spell that out? So James Con is James Con's elf is Buddy's dad. Okay. Yeah. And James Con is the father of an actor named Scott Con, who's in Ocean's Eleven that Kevin and I were comparing Troy and Abed to a few minutes ago. Wow. And like obviously you didn't know that, but you just brought it. Yeah. No, I was about to say we're really I fucking overdue for me to reference the Godfather on this <laughs> podcast. So we we were we were very close. Um, <laughs> Wait, who's when they got I I, I got fucking Sunny Corleone. Bada bing, bada boom. I gotta, I gotta fess up again. I have attempted to watch. First of all, I've never seen the Godfather all the way through. I have attempted to watch the first Godfather, um, Godfather. Uh, but I was I was sleepy, so I didn't finish. <laughs> okay, no, but it's like, listen. It takes you gotta you gotta kind of sink into it. You gotta separate some time. It's not a short movie, so but just cool. like the the thing that I will say is that like oh, I love that I get to talk about this is that too often when we talk about like great movies, we talk about them as like important. We're like, oh, this is such an important movie for like this movement, or like, oh, this is so like a study of craft. The thing you gotta understand about The Godfather is that it's one of the most fucking entertaining movies you will ever watch. Dude, it's just so interesting and compelling and funny in ways that you're not expecting the fucking godfather to be funny but like luca brazzi is a funny character sonny corleone as played by james Caan, is a fucking funny character um it, james Caan is also as italian as a fucking bagel like he's not italian but it doesn't matter <laughs> he's great in the movie um but uh it's it's just so fucking good don't rush but just like one day Treat yourself. Just in tr- just just yeah, relax. I, mean, I was watching with someone who's like, "This is my favorite movie ever," and I was like, "Well, that you can't set up a movie <laughs> did they like say that." Like, no, they did no, 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 she didn't. She it was didn't Robert De Niro's. Like, this is my favorite movie ever. ever. No, she she didn't say anything like that. No, it was um, it was just yeah, it just yeah, the way it just. I was sleepy. I didn't want him. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that movie opens with like a one-minute monologue. Like, that is in one unbroken take. If you're sleepy, that's not going to resonate with you particularly strongly. For me, a long take... If you know what I mean. But, like, for me, a long take, no cuts, is, like, one of my favorite things ever. Like, I love an extended shot. Like, that shit... Ooh, so good! If you can, like, choreograph a nice long shot, that's good. And I think the beginning of the movie did, did capture my attention, but I think it was just, like... As it was going on, I was like, yeah. "This is a lot of like." It, the movie takes a lot of focus. You, it takes mental. It, does, it takes a lot of mental. There's power. a lot of names and like characters have like okay, Barzini is also the Turk. So it, like it it does take there's some that, like. But then there's also like learning. complex relationships between the family and there's mm-hmm. politics and there's uh, social cues and there's you it's know relationships and hierarchies and all these things for you to take into account which is great stuff like fundamentally good stuff to pay attention to like i mean like acting exercises alone could break it down into a million and ten pieces but like yeah it just i i, I do need to get back to it but it just i was i, was, I struggled y'all i struggled y'all i understand listen it's not it's it's sometimes you're just not in the mood doesn't matter it's how good real. the movie Sometimes is. You're just, you're just like, them. you're just not there. And like, people go after like professional critics a lot. But it's like, okay, they watch this movie at like 10 a.m. one morning, you know, for their job. They probably had to watch three movies back to back. Like, sometimes you're in a bad mood and you don't enjoy a movie. And then you revisit it later and you're like, 
oh, this is a great movie. I, I was wrong. <laughs> or you were in a really good mood and you're like, this is a great movie. And then you revisit it later and you're like, this is not <laughs> the same as I remember it being. Right. And yeah, we're complex creatures. That's okay. Film is subjective. One of the Kill- biggest things, and this is a little bit of a, like a, a weird aside, because we never talk about games on this podcast. Um, one of the biggest realizations I've had this year, just in, ta- just in ta- uh, speaking specifically to Kev's point about like, Sometimes you're in a bad mood <laughs> when you fucking review yeah. something. Um, one of my biggest epiphanies, you could say, this year has been the realization that because I write about games, I nitpick things about games that people who don't play as many games as me aren't going to care about. So, yeah, like, if you if you go into something, it's one of the reasons that I've like, you know, so I started reading One Piece, right? And there's like a thousand issues. And I'm like, I could do a podcast about this, but that would affect my reading. Why don't I just read it? Why don't I just like, it, your brain is going to interpret it differently if you know you have to have something to say about it afterwards. Really affect your, your mental relationship. And I think it's something that we, that happens a lot in the streaming universe right is that like i am the person on this show that like watched community as it aired all the way through so i have like very specific memories about particular episodes particular conversations i had after those episodes came out uh the feeling i was at where i was at in my life whereas people that and i'm not i'm not disparaging this way of watching it but people that watched community for the first time in a month during quarantine are going to have a very different emotional relationship to it mm-hmm. than than I will. So much of what makes things our favorite media is like our relationship to them. And like I am mm-hmm. going to have I I have like memories watching Lost that are just like burned into my head. I remember like the exact specifics of it. And like you're going to have a different emotional relationship with something depending on how long it's been with you, where it found you in your life, and and that's all part of like consuming media. I I beefed about the Ghost of Tsushima this summer because like that game is good, but that game is just Assassin's Creed Two made in 2020. And I mean that in the most endearing way possible. But like <laughs> the whole game, I was like, oh. There's kind of viewpoints. Oh, there's banners to collect. Oh, it's open world. Oh, the combat is X to attack, Y to heavy attack, B to counter. Oh, this is just a fucking early 2000s open world RPG. It just fucking looks great. And like I had, I took umbrage with that initially being like, how weird that the last big exclusive to come out on PS4 is going to be a game that's basically just the culmination of all open world games that have been on ps4 but like to further my point i realized about halfway in after the story just continued to be great like i've played every major rpg that's been on ps4 most people (laughs) don't do that and so like to be able to sit at this position and be like having done all the research this is very similar to this 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 and this a layman's gonna be like yeah but i didn't play any of those games so like shut up is it good (laughs) <laughs> and like mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to come to grips with as like a as a as a critic that like oh i do this more than anybody else so when i'm tired of something maybe i should leave that out of my subjective review because like that's further subjectivity that further skews my viewpoint does the game work is more important than like 
has been done before, done before, which is funny when you. Well, I think there's Cyberpunk also something to be said about analyzing the like the the novel nature of something, right? Like, if I don't know, like for me, right? Someone that's not a gamer, right? I don't really play video games. I'm working on it. I'm trying, but the, like <laughs> the idea, like you're saying, you're describing these games as similar, right? Now, as someone that's never played these games, fundamentally, without knowing these things, right? Without knowing either these games, maybe I would enjoy both of them equally. But fundamentally, mm-hmm. as someone that is into the idea of kind of like the longevity and like the history of an art form, right? I want to know how it was done the first time. Like, I want to know who started this trend. I want to see the original, oh, yeah, you know? sure, sure. So, yeah, it's, sure. so and part of that is that, valid, you know? Yeah, no, 100%. And, like, that's that's a big part of what I try to strive for now when looking at something is, like, who did this first and why is this better than that? Mm-hmm. And that's an excellent way to look at things. But more than that, you know, at least in your case, Jace, Kevin and I are going to suggest to you games that are all on my list of they're all the same. Because you're ostensibly, <laughs> you're ostensibly not a gamer. And so playing two or three things by two or three different companies released at two or three different times, maybe even decades, like that all feel the same is a tremendous way to onboard. So like my being upset fair? that they're the same is stupid when like I can look at you and go, you should play Uncharted, Spider-Man, and Assassin's Creed 2. 2008, 2012, and 2018. They're all the fucking same, but they're all really fucking good. They're and like, the same? Yeah, they're all open world games that have ostensibly the same combat systems and ostensibly the same style of storytelling, and they're all single player. Huh. They're similar, and then they also have things that make them really different. You know, yeah. they also have the, each of those games is like, uh, Nathan Drake does not swing from webs, for right. instance. But he swings uh, from ropes, but, but he swings from ropes. I mean, like, for me, because the only game that I've actually even, like, (laughs) done a little bit of was I had a roommate in college that uh, had a system, and he let me play Arkham Asylum. I didn't get super far in it, but it was, like, the only time I've ever, like, played a, what? Arkham Asylum is the reason why open world combat has been the way it has been for a decade. Yeah, that if was like a that first. game like in like popularized a different way of fighting, and then everyone used that way of fighting for like ten years. If you play Arkham Asylum and then you play Spider Man, combat will be really easy for you in the second one, the same because it's exactly <laughs> the fucking same. And to like further your point, you want to know where it came from? Arkham Asylum is the progenitor of that kind of game. That's play. so wild. I I I didn't finish it. I I do want I do want to get Arkham Asylum just because like you can probably get that for cheap on the old you uh, can buy PlayStation the, Store. You can buy the trilogy for like twenty bucks right now. It's fucking great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's it, those games are incredible. Um. Yeah. I was gonna say something. So I had something really cool to say, and it's oh oh oh. Fun fact, and we can get back to community. Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Arkham, mm-hmm. Arkham Asylum, which is this tremendous, like, not open world, but open world game where you play Batman. It has a really tremendous combat system that was turned into the template going forward, was almost a rhythm based game. <laughs> and when the combat was going to start, the combat was going to flip to 2D, and you're going to have to do things on beat <laughs> and hit buttons. Like Dance on beat. Dance Revolution. Yep. <laughs> and they scrapped that and went with a system that revolutionized combat <laughs> which is ain't that just the way sometimes fucking incredible. That, 
that's that's uh i think people underestimate how much often things that are impactful or game-changing are also accidents <laughs> are also yeah. like, oh yeah this like this happened because <laughs> i mean for instance everyone is familiar with the movie i'm back to talk about but star wars the the end of the original star wars was supposed to take place in two different places at the same time on a planet and on a moon space station and they just didn't have the fucking money to do both so they made them one place, and it's called the Death Star, <laughs> and it's pretty iconic, I would say. Uh, and that was that was an accident. That was like, oh, we didn't have the money to do what we wanted to do, so we made the <laughs> most iconic space station in yeah. history. Also, George and, Lucas uh, didn't think that movie was going to be successful. He bet uh, against his own movie with Spielberg about 2001 A Space Odyssey, because he thought 2001 was going to do better. That actually makes a lot of sense when you look at George Lucas's like other movies and you're like, <laughs> oh, he's definitely more of a Space Odyssey guy than a Star Wars guy. As weird as that sounds to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but THX 1131 makes a lot more sense as a prequel to 2001 than it would to Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, but the second episode of Community we're going to talk about, <laughs> uh, oh, season Jen, three episode. Folks, before we get into this episode, I'm going to duck out. I got to go make sure I'm a good dad. Um, but... Before I duck out, be good to everybody and be good to yourselves because 2021 is starting and a lot of people think that 2021 means it's 2020 is over and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just means it's 2020 episode two. Mm-hmm. And, Plus one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and before 2020 redux. Uh, but bef- So before you like let down all your guards and be like, here we go, New Year's Eve, I'm going to have a good year. Just fucking batten the hatches down and be good to each other. Um mm-hmm. And I'll be back next week, but I gotta I gotta dip out now. I apologize, but no, yeah, wow, I, I love y'all. I love I you. Will, I love you too. I'm sorry that bye I bye can't daddy. fully wrap season three with y'all, but I'm excited to talk about Witcher next week. That's what we're doing, right? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna Witcher. do we're gonna do some Witcher stuff. I'm I'm excited to just finally just like do one episode at a time and just just chill. I'm gonna I'm I've seen the first two episodes now, and I'm gonna start back square one. Watch these those two episodes again, and then you're gonna be getting my first just off the cuff yeah. analysis of these high fantasy. I love it. I can't wait to take over your duties of singing the end songs so that I can obsessively sing. Oh yeah. Going to your Witcher, oh valley of plenty. But oh, anyway, it's gonna be good. I'm uh, yeah. Can so be- we're yeah. So the first two Witchers for next week. Oh, the first two? I thought we were doing one. No, we got uh, that time. would. That would take eight weeks. I would rather do it just for four. Oh my god! Two, okay. okay, so I'm going to be doing two hours of. Okay, I can do this. I can do this. Just chill. It's two hours of Henry Cavill. You'll be fine. I'll be hey, fine. I'll be fine. Be okay. All right, lovely. So take much. It easy. So much. Bye. Love Bye-bye. you. Be good to your child. Oh, how oh, can I not be? Baby. He's too cutesy. He's such a <laughs> tiny little blob. Squishy yes, face. I'll send. I'll send pictures to y'all. Please do. Yes, and I, I posted some on Twitter for anybody listening to this who didn't see my post that I had a better Christmas than everybody else. Yes. Um, yeah, you did. Yes. Okay. That's oh, right, Christmas baby. Okay, bye. Yeah, Christmas baby. Bye-bye. That kid's fucked. <laughs> yeah, damn. Like, I only get one set of gifts every year. Oh, he'll love it until he turns 10, and then he'll be like, I can't invite my friends over for my birthday. <laughs> no, you oh, can't. I'm a little miracle. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I'm a silly Christmas baby. <laughs> what? Uh, season three, episode twenty-two, introduction to finality. Directed by Tristram Shapiro, written by Steve Bazalone and Emmy Annie Mibane. 
um, to round out our trilogy of episodes uh, in what could have been the final episode of Community. Uh, Shirley and Pierce get into a legal battle over the ownership of Shirley sandwiches with Jeff representing Shirley uh, against Alan, uh, the returning uh, skeezy lawyer played by Rob Corddry. Uh, at the same time, Troy uh, must survive within the air conditioner repair school uh, and Britta attempts to psychoanalyze Abed, who may or be not <laughs> be possessed by the darkest timeline version right. of himself. Uh, just right off the bat, gonna get out of the way. I do think this is an okay finale for Community. Like, if they hadn't made any more, I think it's a pretty okay send-off. They do My a only solid note... job of wrapping everything up, for sure. For sure. My only note is, Annie doesn't do anything in this episode. And if it were the final episode of Community, I would want Annie to have a larger role. I mean, which she does in the actual finale. Yeah. Oh, Annie. Yeah, Annie. What did you think I said? I don't know why you said Annie and my brain thought Britta. I guess it's because I'm terrible. I don't know. No, Britta has a has a nice part. That's a perfect yeah, I was like, what are you conclusion about to Britta. Yeah, Annie doesn't. She just is Wait, like, where is Annie? Jeff. She she's at the di- she's at the lunch table and she goes, oh, Jeff, you need to back Shirley. And then she is just sitting in the background of the courtroom. It's not it's not great. Um, she has a I'm huge not like, role in the actual finale. Yeah, she's like an emotional centerpiece of that finale. Uh, it works really really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is a significant part of every other season, possibly series finale. But uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad that in the actual series finale, she gets like a nice. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's I think play. it fundamentally makes sense because like, as much as I dislike it because I think she totally deserves a big plot line for a finale. I think over the course of these three seasons, she doesn't have much of a super arc. If that, no, I agree yeah. with you. They, it's a problem that Annie will run into, and I and I think Allison Brie is great all the way to the end. Oh, absolutely. But but it does feel like of all the major characters, she is the one that runs out of plot line before the end, and and as the seasons go on, it feels like they just don't know what to do with her. In, in a way that they kind of hit with Shirley as well. I say kind True. of. They do hit with no, Shirley. No, they do hit that with Shirley. They do hit with Shirley. And they also kind of hit with Abed. Um, yeah, they, but I mean... Especially after Troy As a character, gone. they're able to be like, Abed needs to go to therapy. And then they make that yeah, uh, he inclusive. he has moment. a good overall story. Abed's story is like, I'm going to stop interpreting everything like it's a TV show. And uh, go off and and learn how to like they live even give in the real. Pierce world. like a subtly redeeming moment where they're like where he goes um he's like hey don't use gay in a derogatory way and it's just like that's so it's a little half assed it's <laughs> uncharacteristic I'm like there's no way just because he had one celebration with a bunch of twinks that he was gonna be like I love gay people now. <laughs> Right, after he told, like, the the joke that got him, like, booed out of the courtroom. Um, oh, what? So they're not good at basketball. Yeah, it, it doesn't all the way work. And, you know, I understand that it's like you only have 21 minutes to try and write, like, a substantive part for every single 
character is all of them and so so few episodes of this show can do it and usually it's like oh we've trapped them all in the same room so literally everyone has (laughs) has a ton of material no right only solution i can think of is you remove alan and make annie pierce's representation but i don't think that works like it's such a great way for jeff to overcome it's too complicated whereas the alan thing is so simple yeah, it's and, simple. And it Cordry's gives Jeff a larger. Yeah. As far as the scale of things, look, this show has framed Jeff as the primary protagonist from the jump. I, I just fundamentally as that's just the way TV worked back then, but also he's, that's just how it was he's, pitched. He's the main character now. By the time we're here in season three, he's less of a central figure than he's ever. It's more of a group. Buddy we can have episodes time. that are about Annie and Abed in the Dreamatorium, and we don't need Jeff to to be a central like we have gotten to that point and i love that the show can get to that point but you know in a fin- in the same way that like you know scrubs is an ensemble show but the final episode of scrubs is framed around jd because it it has to be he is the right. protagonist of the show right 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 yeah so that that's why it makes sense to me to bring him back in because that is i mean fundamentally we understood like the whole the inciting incident of this entire show is that Jeff got fired from his job and this is the guy that got him fired like we needed to bring that full circle moment of him being like I let you off the hook before I know it was you I didn't I let you feel good about lying to me about who it actually was it's, they needed that full circle moment like that's what makes a good season finale is making the audience be like wow we really did end where we started didn't we you know, we came on a journey. It's like we've it's the Dan Harmon story circle that we've all heard about, but like writ large for a whole right. season exactly. or or three seasons. Is that like we've returned to where we began, but changed and things are fundamentally different. And and that really, I mean, isn't that that's what all the like good finales do? Is yeah, recreate the beginning and show us how far we've actually come. I think fundamentally, if you are going to take the idea of a story as a journey. That's the only way you can do it, you know? Yeah. Um, is that like, you know, spoilers for Lost. The first moment uh, on Lost uh, is Jack... Oh, okay, never mind. Then I won't say it. No, you can say it. I'll just take off my headphones. Go ahead, say it. Okay. Spoilers for Lost. It ended 10 years ago. Jack, uh, the first thing that happens on the show is Jack wakes up in the jungle. The last thing that happens is Jack dies in the jungle. I got the thumbs up. I'm safe. Yeah, so you're back. Uh, well, it's good to know that you're at least interested in watching Lost, like to the point where you don't want to be spoiled on it. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's, it's on my list. It's, I'm, it's, I'm intimidated by it. I will not lie, but it's there. It's a lot, but um, I, I am going to do a Lost podcast at some point. I won't force you to do that, but <laughs> uh, uh, don't save it on that account. But it is going to happen one day, uh, even if it's the last thing I ever do. Uh, but I ever do. Yeah, but uh, I think everyone else has some kind of substantive endpoint well, in this episode besides Annie. Shirley's is a little iffy. Is that like, okay, is it? Well, I guess she did come to Greendale to sell her, her baked goods and whatnot on the internet. Yeah, you're right. So actually, I take that back. It's this a, is like Shirley gets what she wants. Shirley has gotten her of, husband back. Were you talking about Shirley? Did I just totally do that again? Yeah, we were doing it the same. Well, no, we were both talking about Shirley. Yeah, it was Shirley. Okay, I thought I did like an Annie Britta thing like I did earlier. No, we were no, literally, no, no. like, we Shirley were literally, she got her husband back. <laughs> she has a new baby boy, and she got her dream. She started a business at the school. 
And then it's like, whoa, who's going to do it? And then she wins. It's her business. She gets to sign the dotted line. Yeah. And actually, so actually I take that back. That's great. I, uh, I, I, stand, I stand by that one. Uh, Pierce, you could say, doesn't have, like, I guess if the conclusion of his arc is recognizing that gay is a slur, then... Well, not a or a, or a pejorative, <laughs> or a you know what I you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, not it using should not it be used in that context. Yes. Um, then okay, he also has a conclusion to that arc, and it really feels like I've said this before. It feels like Pierce's arc ended at the end of season two, Paintball, when he's like, "Actually, I don't need you guys. Goodbye." And they absolutely the show, gave up on him. <laughs> then I'm like. I wonder what is the story about him coming back because it definitely feels like, no, you should have called it there. <laughs> like that is the perfect ending for that character. Um, I mean, no, I think you're right. That really is like kind of where his and character it just, arc it, really does actually and, end. And with the benefit of hindsight of like knowing, you know, okay, we have this season where Pierce, he has a couple like funny plot lines, but like, He's barely in the show. No one likes him. He's just the butt of jokes constantly about, like, they really have just full tilt leaned into Pierce's impotent. <laughs> and, and that is half of all Pierce-related <laughs> lines at this point. Uh, you know, he's he's racist, he's sexist, he's homophobic. And, like, the last interesting thing he did in my head was in Advanced Gay. Yeah, that's the video game episode, but that's just a, a repetition. But that's not of even he did him. He's barely game. in that episode. Let's be like, right, if it's we more really look Gilbert. at it's framed around him, but he's barely even in it. He doesn't do anything in it. It's more so about his half brother than it is about him. You know? Yeah, it's a Gilbert episode. It is. It's um, a Gilbert episode. Enough. Let's be honest here. It's a Gilbert episode, which is interesting. Um, and then, you know, also at this point, I, I think if this were the last we saw of Abed and Britta, I, I would find these to be pretty substantive. You know, I would I would find this to be a, a decent enough finish, at least for Britta. It um, does make sense. <laughs> Hear me out, folks. It does make sense that they watched the wrapping up of this season after coming out of the... Um, the Greendale commercial episode with Dean and then like all the small other little things and their relationship. It does make sense that you would come out of this and be like, okay, what are we going to do? How are we going to add some new spice, some new flavor to this show for season four? And when Troy and Britta should date. I see it. It makes sense. I think it was underutilized because fundamentally what what is that relationship? There's like you, there's not really a dynamic exactly. to play with. That Those characters haven't be... interacted ever, so they based a romantic relationship off of a platonic relationship that didn't really exist in the show. We don't see Troy interact with Brita that much outside of relation simply from being in the same study group. So it's it's yeah no, it's a hard dynamic to right. pull off. They're... And there's a couple different ways you could have taken that relationship, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a lot coming up. But, like, okay, is it... Oh, we will. <laughs> she she is too prickly, and he is too soft, and that is sort of the dynamic here, which is, like, kind of a classic dynamic. Is sure. Like she, and, and you could have played it that way. Uh, you, you could have played it as, like, yes, she's older, but 
he's like the more emotionally mature one, oddly enough. Right, and yeah. and she and and she can learn a lot. You know, there's there's different ways you could play it. And ultimately, my problem with that relationship is they don't do anything. Like they they don't. Make they really a don't. It's fundamentally just like a relationship for the sake of a relationship. It's 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 it. Uh, <laughs> this is a very me take. It is almost exclusively compulsive heterosexuality. Like that's its only role is to be like heterosexual by default. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're, they're two attractive people who would be attracted to each and other. they hugged at the um, finale, so they're dating. And it's like, okay, but what is that relationship? You know, even if we could consider Jeff's awkward relationships with both Britta and Annie <laughs> as being compulsively heterosexual. <laughs> compulsively heterosexual. Compulsively heterosexual. <laughs> but fundamentally, there's still a character dynamic there. That they play with, and it's not just based Say off you, one of them. We have, it's based off yeah, of we both have, participating parties. Yeah, we've said a lot about how much we we are not into Jeff and Annie as a couple. However, yeah. they do have a defined dynamic. Look, it they is do it makes a, good TV because we understand how these two characters interact with each other in the realm of what may or may not be a romantic relationship. But when it comes to Britta and Troy. Wow, we're just getting so ahead of ourselves. But when it comes to Britta and Troy, it's okay. like as a relationship, we don't we don't get the only thing we get from them as a relationship is literally a running gag that sometimes they hug and it lasts a long time. That's the only thing. And they went, hey, let's make it a relationship. Yeah. And I, I love these two actors, you know, at the time they would have been my two favorite characters on the show. Oh, for sure, but I don't think that it adds anything to their character d- dynamic. And I don't... Like, literally, the plot lines that they made about Troy and, and uh, Britta dating weren't about Troy and Britta. They were about Abed's response to the relationship. They were about the other characters yeah. responding to... It, wasn't a, it was never about them. It was more so, how does this relationship affect the group? And in that, it was less appealing as an observer. Yeah. But... They date for... 10 episodes and i don't feel like i learned anything new about either of them oh we learn more about Ahmed. 10 episodes right we and, learn about and, the donut. If and if you look back on any of your favorite tv relationships the relationship always told you more about these characters separately yep. and who they are together yep. Yep. and yep. that doesn't happen with trumpet nope. it just doesn't it doesn't it really doesn't um, to the point where I was writing an essay about fucking Britta, I was listing her exes, and I forgot Troy. <laughs> Did you really list forget Troy in your essay? I had to go back, and when I was editing it before I posted it, I was like, oh yeah. Also Troy. that guy. <laughs> uh, I remembered, like, Subway and Vaughn, and, like, I, I mined more out of, like, Luca <laughs> than I did out I of... Luca. Like, yeah, c- cool guy. Uh, but it it is what it is. Um, another, and we're kind of using this episode to talk a lot about less than desirable things to come. But unfortunately, that you know that happens. That is how um, the gas leak is. This is should have this should have been the last that we ever paid more than a passing acknowledgement to the darkest timeline. This, this should have been have... the last moment. This was a wrap up on the darkest. This was a loving homage. They went darkest timeline, awesome, and then they had a bumper a couple episodes later, of you know of Abed like being by himself in it, and then they wrapped up that kind of goofy bumper by having Abed 
be in his own head and self-referential. This, this what should the... have been the only reference to it, and instead... We, they we mine it for all of season four, including the finale. And one of my big critiques about season four is that, you know, a, a season of community fundamentally reinvents itself. And there are things that are exclusive to each particular season of community that never come up again. Mm-hmm. So like Vaughn, Slater, uh, uh, Professor Whitman, those are season one characters. They never appear again. They're exclusive to that season, mm-hmm. and they feel endemic to that. Inspector Space Time and The Darkest Timeline should have been season three exclusive. And maybe we like make passing references to it later, but they should not have continued to drive plot. And that is one of the big things. That I the mean, the Professor Space Time is that invention episode is is maybe the worst. <laughs> it's, it's upsetting to me because, like, there's a lot of fun potential in that idea of them getting caught up in their fandom and you know Abed making a new friend um, through. Internet but that's, they also do. Oh, we'll talk about that episode. Literally, that episode violates Pier- when the Pierce one... interferes with it. Makes me fucking furious. Like, it, it genuinely I can't even makes remember it. So... I haven't watched it in eight years but um the thing that drives me nuts about that episode is that it does the thing that the troy and abed relationship has always avoided which is part of what makes us like them so much is that they never do any dumb fucking plots where people come between troy and abed Uh, you know when when troy and abed are after the same girl they do it together the only (laughs) exception being the pillow and blanket fort war but that was like an incredible emotional that was that was a like oh my god I i can't believe they're doing this and that should have been it. Yes. Right. And instead, this episode is like, oh, what if Abed became really <laughs> enamored with, what, Matt Lucas? Is that that guy's Some name? From, fucking from... dude. Like, what the hell is this, huh? The it's hell is just, this, it's, huh? It's, it's no good. Uh, a, no sorry. We, we will save the season four critiques. We're getting so ahead of our Parts part. of season four that are like a lot. There are some really good parts to it. But there are also parts to it that are just so wrong at the core that you just can't overcome it. See also Changnesia. But we we, <laughs> we, we regress. We come back. Um, but like the the if this is the end of Britta, you know, her arc to becoming the therapist and getting outwitted by Darkest Timeline Abed feels like an okay conclusion to that character. It's at least like this, this back and forth, this it's like fine. Hannibal Lecter, the TV show, uh, relationship that she has with evil Abed works uh, if if we never saw that character again. Um, and then the, you know, they play the theme music in full and it, 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 it with gets different lyrics. every time. With different lyrics? It's like the full version. It's uh, like the, it's, if you go on Spotify and you find the like two and a half minute version or whatever. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but that, that is what I, th- I like this episode. We ended up talking a lot around it. But no, it's a good episode. It's funny. It's, it's not. Good, it's no. It's it's it feel it feels nice. It's it's a nice wrap up. Um, I don't think it's yeah. overly sentimental. I don't think it's overly funny. I don't think it's overly heartwarming. <laughs> I think it just it's kind like of enough is. of all of those things. Um, that it's like okay, I had some laughs. I had a little feels. It's a nice button, some... but it doesn't feel like they like truly nailed the coffin. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't feel we, like they hit the nail on the head. We end on a winger speech, like you know. It's, okay, you've you've hit they some did of the good. It. They did here. it. They did it. You know. 
It's like yeah, it's and again, the season six finale is like uh, pretty one of the best TV finales that I've seen. Just like this is a conclusive good episode of this show that also closes everything out. Um, and I'm just uh, I'm, I'm this could have been the ending. I'm just glad that it wasn't. Anyway, we we <laughs> I've restated <laughs> the same point 19 times in this, right. in this conversation. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Shall we move on to the ranking section? Yes, yes, I think we shall. Yes, it is that time. Um, okay. Uh, end tags. First end tag, Dean Pelton at the rave. This is a cute tag. I, I don't think it's altogether exceptionally really any... I don't know. It's a cute tag. It's funny because Jim Rash is funny. I just... It's he... like I like Jim Rash. I don't think it... I don't think, I mean, for me, Troy and Ovid tags are always going to be some of the best ones because it's just like, that's literally like fundamentally where they shine, I think, is where they get to show these bits. Uh, Jim Rash fits really nicely into that pocket of like goofy bit. I think it's a nice callback to a fun, strange, strange moment uh, in the episode. I think if they didn't have uh, the Dean at that uh, rave, it would feel a little bit out of place in the episode itself. Honestly, I think it does something positive for the way that we accept the episode as a whole. Um, but all in all, this is going to be below my slut barometer. I agree with you. Um, so now we're into all right, uh, dinner with Lavar Burton. I mean, I, I actually like think this might be less man. funny than Coppelgangers, honestly. <laughs> okay, so where's cruising? That's number 50. Yeah, I saw um, Coppelgangers, and I was like, that's a good fucking bumper. Yeah, I also, yeah, I, I, now that you say it, now that you've vocalized it, <laughs> you're, you're... Why did he call uh, me? <laughs> I like this one a little bit more. Y'all are very partial to that one for reasons I'll never understand. <laughs> I think that's a great... Okay, yeah. Um, which, which it's just, Cal- it's not a... It, he just, it's just... A voicemail, and then he goes, "Why did he call me?" That's but whatever, funny. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what, I never thought about it that way. That is funny. Well, when you say it like that, <laughs> I'm having a Will Ferrell moment here. Okay, <laughs> hey, uh, nice callback. I see what you did there. Okay, Jeff Garland trailer. When Jeff, when Pierce emerges from the trailer and runs into actor Jeff Garland. Jeff Garland. It's in the documentary episode. Kelvin and the Zeros? Do you mean Pierce exits the... Yeah, Pierce exits the trailer and runs into Jeff Garland. Oh, his name's Jeff Garland. It is. Oh, that's Kelvin and the Zeros? Why did you name it Kelvin and the Zeros? Well, no, that's Jeff Garland. Oh, that's Jeff Garland. You're looking at a completely different one. Yeah, I thought I asked what Kelvin and the Zeros was. Did I not? Am I just losing my fucking mind? I don't know. Well, Kelvin and the Zeros is just like... Uh, it's it's John Goodman saying, like, yes, the plan is in place. Now, to band practice. And he puts on a little hat and he blows into a little trumpet. All right. I actually, I think I would put this one just below Kelvin and the Zeros and just above Betty White Explains Inception. That sounds good. <laughs> yeah. Oh? Let's keep it there. No, let's keep it there. It's okay. fine. I've already <laughs> started typing. <laughs> you ruined at the rave. Uh, and the next one is you Leonard Reviews Let's Potato Chips. This is cute. This, I mean, again, I, look. Is it I better or worse like, than when he reviewed the frozen pizza? <laughs> is this worse or better than uh, Leonard's frozen pizza review? Uh, you know, this one has his roommate who. Is, that I is don't know, a bonus I mean, for me. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think about that. Is that is a bonus. 
I think that tips it up. I think maybe we should put it just above Leonard's Frozen Pizza ba- Pizza Review and just below Troy and Abed Find a Baby. Sure, <laughs> so you're number 41. Just like Leonard's. Nicely, they have a nice little pocket in the universe, you know what I mean? Yeah, these are the review. I mean, how could you qualitatively say, like, this one is way better than the other one? <laughs> like, there's no metric. Um, we also didn't mention it at all when we were talking about this episode, but I do think the air conditioner repair stuff is funny. Like, that is a plot line that is dropped completely after this point. It is over. Um, and all that finale stuff is very funny with the sun chamber and the Dennis, are you on Coke? Anyway, just Dennis, are you on Coke? Oh, no. I, that is a great fucking bit. He's like, take that shit off. (laughs) Sometimes when we get super off the plot and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course there are rules. He comes out like, I don't know if you've seen Mad Max Thunderdome, but he comes out like fucking Thunderdome. Anyway, good shit. Episode rankings. Okay, time to rank the heist. I don't have Caleb in here. Caleb would rank this one a little bit higher than you, I think. I do like this episode a lot, actually. I think you are confusing my statement earlier of saying I don't find this episode that funny with me being that I don't like this episode. I love this episode. I just don't think it's one of the funnier episodes. But I don't think that funny is necessarily the main scale to be judging episodes of Community by. That's true. Um, Community has a lot. Whereas, like, okay, you know, if we're talking about New Girl, New Girl is just funny, 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 funny. It's it's just funny. funny, It doesn't work. If it's not funny, I'm not watching it. That is a just objectively fucking funny show. That's a funny fucking show. <laughs> because that show's only mission is funny. Like, there aren't profound character arcs. No, there aren't, like... profound about it is they take a bunch of really strange characters, throw them together, and just watch chaos happen. And it's always funny. I gotta get back into that. I started doing a rewatch a little while ago and, and thoroughly enjoyed myself. <laughs> I've been rewatching it since... Oh, however many months now, but uh, the the girlfriend and I have been watching it every Saturday and Sunday morning with with breakfast, and we're cruising. We're almost through like season five. This is further than I've ever gone in New Girl before. Dude, it's a very funny. It's show. a funny show. I also Nick Miller this is cast. a very dude, special character, to dude. <laughs> oh man, on the nose with that one. I, he's, he's he's so funny. He's so funny. They're does... all good, but Nick is is you know, really special. I mean, no, special they, boy. they truly are all good. But Nick is just Winston. Except, he that what is that actor's name? I always forget his name. Which one? Nick. Nick. Oh, Jake Johnson. Jake. Jo- Spider Man. Dude, that's fucking Peter B. Parker right there. Just he oh. plays an incredible everyman, and he's always funny i have never seen him in anything where he did not deliver you know he's, he's in just... uh 21 jump street for like one scene but that one scene is very fucking funny of course it is <laughs> <laughs> he's brilliant i have one more gay black kid getting punched in the face away from expelling both of you <laughs> sorry i've literally never seen that movie that that line scared me <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, it makes sense in context. I, <laughs> I understand out of context that that's very like, off. What? <laughs> what? Um, They're so uh, the episode, very funny movies. Uh, uh, I'm gonna let you throw the dart, and I'm gonna be like, uh, okay. Me. So I'm I'm looking here, number twenty five, documentary filmmaking Redux. The dean makes a commercial. It's not as good as that, but we're in the right zone it's for me. Yeah, I don't know. 
I, part of me thinks it's better. Part of me thinks it's worse. I really am actually. I'm pretty. I'm torn on this episode. I could go either way, and then I look at, like, oh, the Halloween episode is right here. Oh. Uh, Subway 1984 is right underneath that, and I'm like, yeah. The Dreamatorium episode. Lower. Yeah, keep going. I think studies at Modern Movement here, the Annie's Move, I th- this, is, this is where we could have a conversation. Number 30. Give me a second to think. Because <laughs> that episode is funny like um, jesus loves marijuana kiss from a rose oh kiss from a, um, yeah. um let's put it below that one just a little bit uh asian so population studies one yeah why not asian population is good okay uh yeah new number 31 s3e21 the first chang dynasty oh my goodness and finally the last the last of season three. The last melon. The last melon. <laughs> um, uh, introduction to finality. So I think we're actually going to stay here in this zone. Yeah. Um, so this is better than the season one finale that uses a horrible slur and uh, has Jeff and Annie kiss. Two things that I'm against morally. <laughs> two, two things that my moral code will not allow. It's definitely not as good as the season two paintball finale. So that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> that doesn't help me one iota. Um, let's okay. say, okay, let's talk at vampire mythology. This is um Blade, right? This is the carnival. Blade. Hmm. I mean, if I'm waiting these two episodes, uh, edge to Blade blade yeah they're faking the carnival on the phone yep. uh yep. <laughs> all good i'm gonna agree uh, with you with that english right, so is a cruising second. uh Just... the next season three measuring post digital estate planning the video game episode Ooh. Uh, edge to the video this, game episode this, but this feels like it's close in its dynamic getting, where it's like getting there part of it's like i respect this episode but it's also like eh. advanced advanced gay, gay? um i'm gonna give the edge I, it, to advanced gay I am as well. Advanced gay. Underrated. Thank you for putting uh, the the little bubble next to romantic expressionism because I've asked so many times. Watching Kick Punch so much time. All right, but okay. So we're down here. Number forty-seven is Geography of Global Conflict. Number forty-eight is the season three premiere. So this is a great point. Is this better or worse than the season three premiere? Wow. Why did we do this to ourselves, Kevin? I know this was what if you go back and listen I just like invented this near the end of our first episode I was like what if we ranked it dude this is so fucking difficult I'm such a, <laughs> I'm such a bastard and there's um, we're halfway through the episodes oh god we're over more more than half the episodes but oh, that's halfway right. through some the of the seasons. later seasons are fewer gotcha okay um yeah they're all 13 so we're you know yeah, this is gonna get Actually, more difficult. Oh, jeez. Okay. Uh, uh, the season one premiere has that John Goodman monologue. It has the musical number where they're going to finally be fine. It okay, I'm actually, I'm actually going to give this the edge to the pilot. I distinctly feel like... Mm. Uh, do I like that episode? Yes. I remember as a listener and as a an avid musical theater participant and observer and creator and performer and just involved in the musical theater world, I remember going... Of the musical numbers in this show, this is the weakest one, easily, in my opinion. You know, we've got the that, the the hot air mm-hmm. balloon one. We've got the Christmas one. We've got 
several musical sure. episodes. This one, we're gonna finally be fine. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a good way to open a season. Sure, but, but I don't it's, think it's not. But that alone mm-hmm. is its merit. You know, um, I think it's sure. good for what it does, and I think fundamentally the, this as a finale is good for what it does but i think i enjoy the finale a little bit more than the opener than biology yeah, just a oh, pika 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 just a tiny pika 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 uh fight me do it please do please fight me. Uh, okay because i'm looking one under that number 49 foosball and nocturnal vigilantism. I like foosball more, on the whole. Jeff and Shirley play foosball. Abed dresses up as Batman, and they attack their landlord. Uh, I don't <laughs> any episode yep, where so you attack a win. landlord. Uh, <laughs> new number, 50. That feels right. Yeah, that's nice. A season finale at 50. S3E22. Introduction. Yeah, no. Abed as Batman fighting a landlord. That's just... How is that 40? <laughs> that should be higher. <laughs> <laughs> the landlord punching alone <laughs> anyone th- threatening la- batman threatening a landlord um now jace i do have a question for you Uh-oh. uh-huh do you want me to try and do some quick down and dirty math and figure out the average ranking of every season at this point or would you rather i do that off mic and just tell y'all later <laughs> do you I think that would be interesting enough for you to vamp while i do some addition uh, <laughs> um here's my thing i think now that we've brought it up let's uh, gotta do it let's why don't we take a poll with our listeners and see Ooh. what their opinion is as seasons without doing the math right what ranking mm. this the first three seasons which are the best seasons and then when we come back um, whether it's us starting on our Witcher listen watch through okay. or when we come back for season four, whichever that may be, we come back and give a recap side by side with what our listeners would rank it outside of doing all the heavy math. Okay, because I okay, I want I just want to be clear. I am going to do the math at some point. It's just oh, whether yeah. or not I do it on mic now or we just uh maybe bring that back when we start season four let's bring that back a little bit later i i i know you're gonna do that math but i think that i think that uh, i think that um that's i think that's a good picking up point for second for the back half of this this the show series wise season so that's something to keep them hooked while we uh come back later we'll tell you who's winning yeah i know i mean i know what the standings are uh, like I know what season is in what order. I just don't know the exact number that each of them right. would earn. Yeah, because it's two, three, one. Yeah, and uh, it's just about, and that would be my personal ranking as well. I think I just think season two is unimpeachable. Dude, I just think I think fire. Yeah, I just think it's incredible. Uh, and then three, not everything hits, but the shit that hits hits so it's solid. Hard. Like it is solid. our number it's one got its and own number identity two. Now it's solid. really. Mm-hmm firing on all engines it knows what it's about it knows what it's doing they couldn't it's give a shit three they episodes into the top they 10. said let's just do yeah, whatever exactly. we want yeah yeah um it, it has some episodes that rank a little bit lower but it snuck three episodes into the top 10 and that is a competitive that's impressive that is almost exactly. a third right it's exactly. essentially a third uh, of the top 10 it might as well be because you can't third to 10 right uh and There's no two third of an dominates 
all of it, and season one now only has two in the top ten. Wow. Okay. Some, some shit's been edged out. Uh, spoilers, nothing from season four is going to crack the top ten. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> um, and season four, there's some episodes I like, but it is definitely going to lose. We're going we're gonna to watch just... it. It's going to be a little... Yeah, we're going to... Because when I... we get to Space Time Convention, the bottom. <laughs> when we get to the whale episode, the bottom. When we get to the finale with the darkest timeline, the bottom. I am, I am so it's, actually it's gonna take genuinely curious. This is my my um, my litmus test for season four. Is what is the highest ranking season four episode going to be? And just my guess. Mm-hmm. You want to you want to play some bets now? You want to place your bets? I don't know if I have a good enough recollection of the entire season, but I want to hear what you're about to say. Okay. My guess Mm -hmm. is going to be the Halloween episode, which I think is legitimately really good. Like, very funny. They're in Pierce's mansion. Britta's dressed as a big ham. That's a very good Not even joking. Before I started watching Community, that was the first episode that I, like, ever saw a clip from. And it's... That's not a bad one. It's literally Abed being like, I remember when this was a show about a community college. (laughs) And me being like, I need to watch this show. (laughs) Excuse me? Hello? Uh, yeah, exactly. And then uh, my second round draft pick would be um, Herstory of Dance when Britta hosts the Sophie B. Hawkins dance. Okay. That would probably be Where my second round Where do you think the Halloween episode is going to rank, though? That's that's the thing I'm curious about is what is the, the lowest number? What is the highest ranking that season four is going to achieve? I mean, if I'm looking at this list. Give me a range. I don't think that it would be smart for us to give it a predetermined number. What is your range? No. Maybe 20s, 30s? There is a chance that Halloween episode will crack the 30s. Okay. There's a chance. Uh, I'm not giving it as a given. Definitely 40s. I think that's an optimistic and reasonable placement. I I can side with that. And I don't like to shit on season four, like, as... It's because it's very popular to do. And I don't like to sure. do it, just, like, to just do because, it. Right. Like, um riding through town and just hitting everything that I find. But <laughs> it's it's inarguably <laughs> the worst season and has the worst episodes. <laughs> and it wasn't yeah. all their fault. They no, were kind of no. in a no-win situation. No, it's... Look, they made a... They did a really good job with a really bizarre situation. Like... It is it is genuinely commendable what they pulled off with season four. I like agree. genuinely looking at it, it's like this is impressive. I remember being perfectly honest, first time I watched the season, I didn't fully feel that far off in season four. I didn't think it was like as amazing as some of the other seasons, but it didn't feel that far off. I think just fundamentally there were a few very large ideas <laughs> that they attempted that um didn't really work but i think um fundamentally season four honestly 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 is really not that bad truly no like it's it's still a decent worse. season it's still a decent yeah, it's, season it's exactly. just where i mean we're all we're all just like this show is amazing and we have high standards yeah. and there's also it's like the n- nostalgia effect it's like we fundamentally know that this isn't the same group behind the scenes so it taints the perspective we're even looking at it with so i think that's going to be a good goal for us is to be able to go into season four and go let's remove these preconceived notions and really genuinely truly judge these episodes for what they are and how they represent these characters and because i right i don't want you know i like picking on a bad movie or a bad show as much as the next 
I do. What are you talking but, about? <laughs> but that's not, you know, I fucking I've done podcasts about the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Like I like I like hitting on a bad movie when it happens. But I don't this is not going to be 7 weeks of just shitting on it and acting like we're being tortured and that that's not interesting no i mean explore it let's explore what works let's explore what doesn't and and let's like actually piece this apart because there are genuine moments uh, in season four that i love and i'm look and i'm actually looking forward to watching them again 100 percent. i really want to know where we come down on the puppet episode because that episode is so hotly contested complicated (laughs) complicated complicated whereas like i don't Do know I love on a season puppets? four scale yeah. yeah exactly you've given me puppets and songs you give I'm me like, sarah borellis i like all to... of these things <laughs> but is the sum <laughs> greater than the total of its parts and uh we'll uh, stay tuned to find out um so uh plug section uh i'll keep it pretty light because we're running a little long uh that's our standard way of doing things now shocker, it's fine shocker. Yeah, shocker of shockers, we're running pretty long. Uh, we used to like never come up close to two hours, and now two hours is becoming the median, which is a pretty standard affair for podcasts. I'm, like, I'm they excited. Just get I think, I think this Witcher up. break is going to help us out, although it might just make our conversations more tangential. Who knows? Who knows? Who cares? Uh, but uh, I'm going to uh, just do a, a quick little shout out. Uh, the fucking uh, Criterion channel, so the streaming service based around the Criterion collection, uh, has just a lot of dope shit on there right now. Um, they have a great uh, collection of Korean cinema. I've been watching Bong Joon-ho films, and I have a couple others queued up. And they just fucking put on an exceptionally large and comprehensive uh collection of afrofuturism uh <gasps> documentaries and films and shorts uh jace i'll give you my login if you want. yeah i i uh, want that very badly please. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah absolutely um i've i've borrowed so many logins in my time it is my duty to share my hbo max and criteria you pay it forward exactly um Anyway, they have a great collection right now. It's like a hundred bucks for the whole year, if I remember correctly. Which, like, that's not terrible. That's less than you're paying for Netflix, and that's that's like ten bucks a month. That's like buying three of their Blu-rays. So, (laughs) right. Uh, So it's a it's it's not bad. Uh, So I just recommend that right now. Uh, Jace, anything from you? Um, I don't particularly have anything of note. Um, I think this is a nice way to wrap things up for this first uh first half of the seasons if you will um yeah we're halfway through the seasons more than halfway through the episode bananas bananas it has been almost a year it has been so wild to watch this these friendships blossom um and like this show this podcast kind of become what it has it's been an absolute delight totally thrilling uh excuse me and nice (laughs) Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm going to leave you all with this. Um, if you're trans, I love you. If you're cis, I love you too. But if you're trans, I love you. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a wild time. Holidays and New Year's and all that wacky stuff. Um, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If you ever need anybody to talk to, um, I'm here for you. I'm, at, I'm on Twitter at J-A-C-E-N-Z-I-E-V. Um, also on Instagram with the same thing. Um, if you ever just want to talk, if you have any questions, you know, you're just feeling lonely. Hit a gay up. I'll I'll be your friend. <laughs> um, that's hit all I have to up. say. Hit a hit a gay up. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's really all um, I have to say right now. 
love to see it. Uh, so as we've said, uh, we will be back for the next four weeks uh, covering the first season of the Netflix Witcher series. So that's going to be very fun. Uh, and uh, then after that, <laughs> we're plowing right through the end of Community. Well, not the end. Season four. <laughs> There's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, exactly. It's the Uh, end. (laughs) And we'll we'll, uh, begin that sojourn, that seven-episode stretch. Uh, But until then. Pop, pop. Pop, pop. Do-ba-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-